another uh, very special episode of the Square and Compass podcast uh, this week. Special for a couple reasons. First of all, special because of the guest, Worshipful Brother Allison Gowling. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Cameron, for inviting me. I, I appreciate that. Uh, so obviously it's special because we got a great guest, but it's also special because of what this first interview kicks off, which is Square and Compass sitting down with the candidates um, for 2021 Grand Lodge. Uh, Square and Compass has reached out to as many of the candidates so far. I'm recording this uh, on May 9th. So I've reached out to as many of the candidates as I could through social media. And I left an open invitation uh, on the Facebook page. And I've also reached out to the candidates Masonic Lodges. Um, I am hoping to have every single candidate appear on this podcast to discuss their Masonic journey and give Masons throughout Ontario the chance to get to know them. So as of May 9th in this recording, I've got four um, confirmed interviews. Another couple of brethren have expressed interest and we're just working on scheduling, but I hope to have as many of the 29 candidates as I can uh, in the coming weeks. So every day this week, it is my hope to have another episode featuring another uh, candidate. But uh, the first candidate, and I should also mention, I should throw this at the start, uh, you know, the Square Compass podcast does not speak on behalf of the Windsor Masonic Temple, does not speak on behalf of the Grand Lodge of Canada. In the province of Ontario, all opinions expressed um, are my own. Uh, and certainly this isn't meant to promote any one candidate over any other. This is a chance to give hopefully all the candidates a chance to join us and speak to myself and through myself, hopefully, uh, Masons across Ontario. And if any candidates are watching this that haven't heard from me for any reason, please get in touch. Uh, my email address is on the bottom of the screen, look down, and in the description to this video. And with that, Worshipful Sir, thank you so much for being here again. Again, thank you very much, Cameron. I appreciate the invitation. So let's start uh, at the, the basics. Uh, you are a candidate for Grand Lodge 2021. Talk about your candidacy, the position you are a candidate for, um, and just what, what was your impetus in putting your name forward? Well, I'm a, I'm a candidate for the position of uh, Grand Senior Warden. Uh, I've had the honor to be nominated, and uh, I'm a very very deeply appreciative uh, of the opportunity to run. Um, I believe in giving back and doing what I can for whatever I'm a part of, uh, whether it be Masonic Lodge or participating uh, in community groups. I, you know, I believe in, you know, being active. I'm not one for sitting on the sidelines and just and just watching. I, I, I can't do that. All my life I've been very active within the community, 
Um, I've got a volunteer resume that uh, fills an entire page uh, from, from over the last uh, 40 or 50 years. I've got, uh, oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? I've, uh, I've served as, you know, I've served on boards and on executives for many organizations. When I was practicing law, I was a member of the Paralegal Society of Ontario, and I, I, I wound up being on the board for 11 years and being uh, uh, vice president, secretary, and I was president twice. And it was during, this was during the years when we were trying to be uh, accepted into the law society and uh, have a little more uh, clout. However, uh, like I say, uh, I'm a person that believes in not, not standing not standing idle. I'm an old farm boy, and um, you know, and I'm, I'm a tongue-in-cheek. The day you stop moving is the day you die, and I'm always moving forward. I'm always doing something. Um, I enjoy helping other people. You know, if I see you know a senior in the parking lot of the grocery store struggling with their groceries, I'll go over, give them a hand, smile, and wave, and I'll walk away. That's, you know, that's the way I am. But with Lodge, um, this is a chance to serve Grand Lodge, serve the Lodges, serve the Brethren. You know, um, an organization can't run without people to run for various offices. You know, whether that be the Board of General Purposes uh, or... Uh, one of the other positions in Grand Lodge, uh, elective positions in Grand Lodge, such as the wardens or Grand Registrar or uh, positions like that. That's that's what drives me. That's what drives me. You know, I remember um, first joining Freemasonry and being a newer Mason. Um, you know, every year starting in uh, April and May, people start talking about Grand Lodge and about elections and about the uh, uh, nomination process. You start to hear all these terms being thrown around, uh, but especially for newer Masons and even for some of the older ones, uh, the extent to which they understand what these positions are, what Grand Lodge is, um, can be uh, it takes a while to learn, and there's, there can still be misconceptions uh, about it. Um, so I guess in your... Uh, how do you both, how do you view the role of being the Grand Senior Warden and being a, a Grand Lodge officer in general? And more generally, what do you view the role of Grand Lodge as being in relation to... Um, both Masonic Lodges, but also in relation to being representative of Freemasonry in Ontario and to the world? Well, first of all, um, Grand Senior Warden, uh, for the most part, it's, it's a ritualistic position. The description in the Constitution, I don't have, I don't have it in front of me, but I'll try to quote it. Uh, the Wardens are there to assist the Grand Master. That's the description. Um, but there's more than that. There's, there's visiting lodges to do presentations or 
uh, give a lecture um, or, uh, or something else that I have in mind. It was, um, that's my wife in the background. Yeah, we, there's some laundry. Uh, laundry, yeah. Um, you're there to also, you, for that year, you're also there to, you're, you're there to sit on the board and to assist the board where necessary. But you have to remember, um, you, you know, you're, you can't be policy, policy or procedure driven. Um, like I, I've told, I, I tell people you know, uh, tongue in cheek, you know, I can't promise you a chicken in every pot or a car in every driveway. Like I'm there, I, I'm there to help the lodges. You know, uh, it's it's service uh, that I, uh, you know, it's, it's it's service that I can offer. Well, that's, that's just that's my main that's my main thrust. You know, uh, that word assist or the the broadness of a definition like that, right? To assist the the grandmaster, to assist the most worshipful. That does lead to um, trying to think of the right word is it, it, it does allow somebody in that position to put their own own stamp on it. You know, I remember when I became worshipful master for the first time, um, you know, talking to other people about like, what is the, the responsibility of a worshipful master? How do I proceed in this role? And obviously there are ceremonial duties and there is openings and closings, but they, you know, beyond that, every past master told me, you know, it's your position to put your stamp on and every worshipful master of every lodge will, you know, they, they told me you can be as busy as you want to be in the role. Yeah. Um, right. And so I think that that is the same thing with the position that is ceremonial is we do have the opportunity to really, because there's, it's so broad, you can really have an opportunity to imprint yourself in the role and set certain standards or ideas or, um, you know, because you're so involved, you'll have a chance to speak with Grand Lodge, the most worshipful, about what you would like to see and the direction you would like to see Masonry go in the future. Well, right now, as, as you well know, there's... Um, there, uh, and I realize, you know, that the word uh, change is not in a Mason's vocabulary usually, but we've seen a lot of changes over the last four or five years, and we're going to see more. And um, this pandemic has uh, given the Lodge an opportunity to, to, re to reshape itself and reinvent itself. A couple of years ago, um, Lincoln Lodge had their 100th anniversary, and they had a Grand Masters banquet. And I was I was talking with uh, past Grand Master, most forceful brother Todd, and he was saying how he'd like to move away from the big the the, the big party, so to speak, at the Royal York, and then in, instead having a series of regional Grand Lodges. And see, and this is the this is the uh, addresses a lot of issues. Right now, you get in, in, you know you get people not just in you know in Windsor in Ottawa, 
you know, or, you know, in North Bay or something, it's a long way to go to Toronto. And other than district deputies and district deputies elect, you never see, you hardly see anybody coming from uh, Algoma or Algoma East, simply because of the distance involved. And then, then staying at the Royal York, I mean, you have to put a second mortgage on your house to, uh, to, li- to stay at the Royal York for one night. And, um, and you know, now this will be the second year we didn't have anything at the Royal York. And also, too, the voting is changing. Before, if you wanted to vote, you had to come to Toronto. Now, with the online voting, it opens it up, you know, not just to the, you know, the seven or eight or 900 uh, eligible voters of 10 Grand Lodge. It opens it up to the entire 30-odd thousand in, uh, well, pardon me, maybe not that much, but, um, you know, instead of a thousand, it opens it up to 10 or 20,000 uh, votes with online. And, uh, like, you know, the word, I don't know what I could propose for more changes. Um, I have some ideas, which I'll keep to myself for the time being, but- I don't, uh, do you really- I'm sorry? So I I do really like what you said, though, Um, and that's something I've thought and talked about on this podcast is the, oh, can you hear me? No, I'm I'm getting back out on the the speakers again. Here, let's try this again. I, I apologize, Cameron. No worries. Is that better? I can hear you. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. I can hear you just on here. That's what uh, I want. So, you know, I've, I've talked about this. In fact, so we're recording this on May 9th in tonight's episode. Uh, I discuss it. Um, you know, one benefit to having a any Masonic event, but especially a Grand Lodge, in, a, in rotating locations or different cities, you know, yes, there's a benefit that it allows brothers to attend who maybe weren't able to before due to distance, but also it can provide a serious economic benefit to a smaller community. Very much and so. You think about, I'm sure that, that you know, even a city as big as Toronto appreciates all the business from a bunch of Masons all showing up for the week. And, and you know, like you said, the Royal York gets the, the rooms rented out, but you consider some of these smaller towns um, who are perhaps more hurting, especially with with COVID and jobs being lost, you know, 100, even, you know, even 50 to 100 Masons showing up in a place like Moosonee, Kincardine, um, all these locations, right? I mean, Moosonee probably, I don't know what they have in terms of, of uh, I don't even know if the train runs there anymore. So, uh, so take King Carden because that's a good one. That's um, they have a Masonic Lodge. I've got to visit King Carden Masonic Lodge on a few occasions. They've got some couple of nice hotels, but it's a smaller town, obviously in cottage country. But yet you you have you know several dozen, if not a hundred, and up Masons there that's going to be a major economic boost for that town, for the restaurants yes. in the town, for the hotels, for the tourism industry there, for the shops. And I mean, 
it's just another chance for Freemasons to impact in a positive way different communities throughout Ontario. Um, I just think it just makes sense to me to start looking at different different towns and cities and start rotating this thing a little bit more. Yeah, uh, again, going back to my days with the Paralegal Society, um, we were always accused of being Toronto-centric. Uh, so when I was president, I made sure we would have our spring conference in AGM in Toronto. And then this fall conference, we would have, say, in London or Chatham, um, maybe North Bay or Ottawa, you know, so as to allow people from other other areas uh, to to easily access it. And that that proved popular. And I think it's time for, you know, Grand Lodge to spread out for that. And I think, you know, at least for the next few years, you know, a lot of these large conventions and large get-togethers are going to go by the wayside, you know, because of all the health concerns we're having now. I wonder about that. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, you know, I was supposed to be, um, and uh, uh, very sad to not be, but I, I understand why. You know, I was I was supposed to be in Texas at the moment. Um, Texas, uh, I purchased a ticket for their Grandmaster's homecoming, um, and you know, Texas and and Florida. And a few other Masonic traditions in the States are back to large scale events. And that's, I, I, that's not to say that Ontario should follow their lead because every state and province is different and vaccination rates. And there's a lot of different things that go into making these types of decisions. Um, but I know I was talking to a few brothers um, who were saying, you know, aren't you, uh, are you sad or jealous to see other Masonic jurisdictions opening up to large scale events? And my answer was always, well, no, it makes me hopeful because if today Texas, then that means eventually Ontario once our vaccination rate. So I do suspect we'll go back to, to large scale meetings at some point um, sooner or later, maybe later than I would like, but it's coming down the pipe. It's just a matter of doing it safely. Oh, it's, it's not a question of if, it's a matter of when. And, uh, and you know, right now, uh, we are so fortunate to have uh, our, the Grand Master that we do. Because, you know, here, here's somebody that's a retired doctor, and he's not that long retired. And, and he's, you know, and I can't think of a, a better qualified person to lead us in a health pandemic than, uh, than most worshipful brother David Cameron. Like I've heard a lot of people write, oh, I can't go to lodge. What am I paying dues for? And don't, don't kid yourself. We are going to lose, we lose about 2000 members a year through death and demits, but that's usually balanced off by initiations. But we're going, uh, we're going to lose a lot of, we're going to lose a lot more as people are just going to get frustrated and walk away. Like at, at the, the lodge I, uh, I attend, Hillcrest, 594 in Hamilton, 
we've got two or three fellows waiting for their thirds and they're chomping at the bit. We want to get them through, but we can't. And we've got, we've got other people knocking on the door that want to join probably eight or 10, maybe 12. And they're saying, well, when can we, when can we go? Well, we can't do anything right now until we get to say so. And that's not looking like until September until at least the paperwork can start flowing and probably it'll be uh, Christmas or New Year's before we can do any degree work. But we are extremely fortunate to have in charge, uh, you know, uh, most worshipful brother, Dr. Cameron. You know, um, he has, his leadership has been, you know, absolutely terrific, you know, over this past year. And I, I, I give him a lot of credit. Now, this is not what he signed up for, uh, but he's, you know, everybody, everybody has stepped up. You've got uh, most worshipful brother Gary Dowling as grand secretary. I mean, and he's no slouch. Uh, and you've got right worshipful brother Louis Damiam as the, uh, the chief operating officer. And between the three of them, they're, they're doing, a, they're, they're doing, you know, and, Tom, and deputy grand master Tom Hogaboom. Well, they're all doing, a, they're all doing a great job. But we, you know, we'll get back eventually. You know, a lot of us would like to get back now, but we can't. It just isn't safe enough until you know towards the end of the summer, when hopefully most of the province of the country has been vaccinated. Then you know, then it'll be safe to start gathering in small groups and working from there. But like I said, it's not a question of if; it's a matter of when. Speaking of vaccinations, um, I've had me too, me too. And uh, I'll leave a link. Uh, early in the pandemic, earlier in the pandemic, I spoke with right worshipful brother uh, and doctor uh, Oscar Allen from the Grand Lodge of New York. Um, he is the chief of programs for the National Association of City and County Health Professionals. Um, I don't know if you ever had a chance to meet him. He is a, a very, very smart and cool fella and, and dedicated Mason. Um, he talked a lot about the vaccination process. And, um, you know, at the time uh, in the interview, and I've posted it a couple of times since, he, he did a lot to dispel or explain um, why the vaccines were safe, you know, all the hesitancy around them we see sometimes in the news, why those that hesitancy was not founded and, and why it's safe and important to get them. Uh, I'll link him. He's a really cool guy and I really enjoyed talking to him about it. That's something I've tried to do on my podcast a lot. And I guess this goes to a question of, of leadership. Not so much from Grand Lodge in terms of leadership of Grand Lodge within lodges, or within Freemasonry, but in the the larger community, um, and it's not necessarily any I'm trying to think of how to put it a, a fault or not fault or anything like that. But you know, when you think about the the place Freemasonry used to hold in society in the 1920s and the 1950s, how how big it was. You know, many Masonic temples were in fact, vaccination clinics, including the Windsor Masonic Temple for polio, for things like that. You know, I've tried in my videos to connect the idea of getting 
vaccinated to, you know, the Masonic thing to do, caring about people, you know, just get vaccinated for yourself. But I guess, you know, do you think that Freemasonry and Grand Lodges could be more vocal about encouraging, you know, encouraging people to vaccinate, encouraging Masons to uh, wear a mask, social distance, do the responsible thing. I mean, they've done a great job within lodges of keeping things closed, explaining why they're doing it, being leaders. But what about being leaders in the broader community and, you know, being examples for others to follow of things like vaccinations? I think I wrote on my Facebook, you know, get your vaccine. It's the Masonic thing to do, something to that effect. I just wonder, I feel like Freemasonry is not as active in the public sphere, encouraging these good behaviors as they could be. Well, there's a lot of message. Oh, there's, there's messages that come on a Grand Lodge. And, and I think right now, the, the media and the airwaves are very crowded, you know, with all, with all sorts of messages. And I, I, I wrote a book on, I wrote the family history and memoirs for a fellow uh, in Jarvis. He'd done a lot over his life, including sitting in uh, Queens Park for 15 years as MPP. And he said he remembers, you know, back in the early 50s when the polio swept through, his uh, second eldest boy came down with polio. And he says he remembers the almost people almost stampeding to the vac to get you know to get themselves and their kids vaccinated, you know. And now we fast forward um, uh, seventy years, and you know you hear people going, "Oh, don't get vaccinated." They're putting a microchip in it. They'll be able to track you. You've got um, you've got some woman in California that gets on all these talk shows like uh, like Dr. Phil and says, oh, don't get your kids vaccinated. The vaccine causes autism. You know, even though there's no evidence to prove it, even though that's been uh, debunked time after time after time, people still believe this woman. And we've got, um, I don't know if we should get out in the mainstream media with a, an advertising campaign per se, to encourage people to get vaccinated, I think you're going to see the majority get the vac, you know, to get the vac, excuse me, to get the vaccine um, on their own. And there's there's going to be the hardcore that you have to get out the the horse and the block and tackle and uh, drag them to it. You know, there's going to be some people out there saying, no, 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 I'm not going to be vaccinated because it's you know it's a government conspiracy. Um, I don't know if we should get involved in a mainstream campaign. Um, I think with the messages that the Lodge puts out now, Grand Lodge and the Craft Lodges, I think we should, we should restrict ourselves to it. If somebody asks our opinion, that's one thing. But to go out and do a campaign, no, I don't think that's necessary right now. In, in terms of just in general, um, the connection between uh, 
Freemasons and Masonic lodges and Masonic temples and the communities in which they find themselves. Um, I guess uh, as a candidate for Grand Lodge, um, for you know, even though it's a ceremonial position, um, I guess how do you see? Do you do you think that those connections could be? Uh, stronger how you know how how would you look at strengthening them um just i mean there are many masonic temples and lodges that do charity work that do toy drives at christmas things like that um but i guess do do you i guess what do you think about those connections um even in your own in your own lodge those connections between a masonic lodge and the community and if we need to look at strengthening those or, or how those are changing over the years well, you've always got to keep the link strong. It's 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 not a it's not a one time one off thing. You have to go out. You have to work on it. You have to nurture it. You know, and as you say, uh, like you got some lodges that go out and do food drives and toy drives, etc. Uh, you know, it's important that the community knows we're there. Uh, you know, when I first joined lodge. Um, I remember one of the one of the brothers getting up and uh, saying that he was on a district deputy night, so the lodge was crowded. He says um, uh, the, the parents of uh, the parents of his children, uh, his children's friends at school, their parents, their house had burnt down and they'd lost everything. And they said, you know, they said they, 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 they had insurance, but it's not, you know, turns out to be not near enough. And, you know, we wound up passing the hat and there was something, you know, like almost a thousand dollars. And uh, this brother, uh, you know, uh, took it out to him and he says, that, you know, he says that, you know, the whole family, you know, had, uh, had broken down and they were so, they were so amazed and grateful. And, uh, you know, that, and that's how you, that's, you know, being there for the community, the CHIP program is a great um, ongoing, uh, ongoing process. You know, that lets the community know we're, we're there, you know, we're there you know, and we're supportive. And the CHIP program, um, Brother Ian Johnson in Hamilton um, has told me is, is always well received no matter where he goes because people know the thrust of it. And, you know, he said, people come up, oh, oh, you're a Mason. Oh, you, you, you people run this. Oh, this is great. And I think, you know, the strengthening of the bonds with the community is something that has to be worked on all the time. Uh, you just can't, you can't, if you let it go, then it all falls apart. But that's what I think we have to do. I, I agree completely. That is something else that I've tried to stress especially through this, you know, you don't need to be a member or you don't need to be a Mason to recognize the importance of Freemasonry to a community and, and yeah. to the city and to, to support a lodge. Um, you know, you can recognize its importance and support it without necessarily being a Mason and, and it works both ways. Going back to the, the idea of, you know, the economics of it. I mean, even so in normal times, 
you know, a Masonic lodge meets twice per month, that's two times you have a junior warden who has to cater the event, right? That's a great time to make contacts with local businesses and small businesses and see if you can support them in the community. And that in turn, you know, the, the businesses will recognize the importance of the Masonic lodge or the Masonic temple. Um, and if knock on wood, we start to move Grand Lodge around a little bit to some other locations, that's another chance for our communities to recognize the importance of Freemasonry coming to their, their, their town, their city, even this, even this smaller towns in the middle of nowhere, you know, there's gotta be a way to get up there and maybe do some visitations and some support. Um, oh yeah. And, they, and that's what I miss most is the visitations. I me too. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it a lot, but I think that that's just a, a little thing that that's, you know, one thing I would suggest to all the candidates is, you know, instead of maybe focusing so much on Freemasonry and membership acquisition, maybe support, focus more on, on just community support and community relationships, not with the purpose of getting more members, but with the purpose of more community recognition of our importance to communities. And that's something, like I say, that's always a, always a work in progress. Yeah, I think everybody, I think all the lodges do it to a greater or lesser degree. Some do it more and better than others. And, uh, but all in all, I find that generally speaking, wherever you go, the, the lodges are well received in town. The people that know you're there, they know what they, they know what you stand for and they know the, you know, they know the good work you do, you know, you know for the community. And, you know, we haven't had a chance yet. We, we focused on your, your candidacy and kind of the, the Grand Lodge level stuff. But talk to, uh, talk to, to us a bit just about your, your Masonic journey. Uh, I know you've had a, a longer one. Uh, but, you know, how did you get involved in Freemasonry? Uh, uh, your, just, what has your Masonic journey been up to this point? Well, believe it or not, I haven't even been in 25 years yet. That's still longer than I, me. Like my father joined when he was 41, and I joined when I was 42. Um, I thought about joining back when I was in my 20s, but I was uh, working shift work at the time, and it, you know, it, it wouldn't have worked out. But I, I joined St. Andrews number 62 in Caledonia in uh, 1999 and I w went through the chairs and I was master in 2006. And uh, I've also sat on the um, Grand Lodge Library Committee, um, a number of district teams, and I've been on the executive and served as president of both the Craft Association of the Hamilton Districts and uh, the Hamilton Past Masters Association. Um, I'd like to do more. Every time there's a new Grand Master, I, I tell them, if you need any help anywhere, give me a call. Um, I'm in the, I'm a 32nd Scottish Rite uh, Mason. I also uh, uh, work in robing in the far, far back corner of the Scottish Rite building in Hamilton. Uh, in the basement, so that's where you find me at reunions every all the time. 
except for the 32nd degree. I've got three parts in that. And then, um, I'm, as I, I should mention, I'm fifth, I'm fifth generation Mason, and my two, uh, my two boys have uh, followed me. So I'm making it six generations um, you know, of Masons in our, uh, in our family. And I recently had the uh, honor to go through the Royal Arch with uh, my eldest son, which was, you know, again, quite an honor and quite a thrill. Uh, and I've also had the, I've also had the pleasure of obligating uh, both my sons in all three degrees. If you were to, or you, you may, uh, right now as it's being recorded, you know, be speaking to or, or a younger or newer Mason may be watching this. I guess, what advice would you have for a newer, uh, a newer brother? What would you say are some of the most important things he can take with him in his Masonic career, Masonic journey? Well, be there for your lodge. You get out what you put into it. I mean, if you just, if you just show up and sit in the sidelines, you know, you're not, you're not going to get as much out of it. But if, you know, you, you have to, you have to, you know, you have to become a part of it, not just, you know, not just sit there and, and take it in. Um, be ready, you know, if they, you know, if they ask you to take a chair and you feel comfortable, then take it. Um, but all, you know, the, the best advice is, is just, you know, come out and, you know, be active, be supportive, and you'll get a lot back more and you, you get a lot back more than you, what you put in. You know, that, that, that's my, you know, that's, that's my thinking. That would be my advice. Here's a, a question I've been struggling with um, in my Masonic journey. And I don't know if you have any, uh, or what your thoughts might be is should should Freemasonry be a quote unquote uh, fun experience? Past Grandmaster, most worshipful Don Mumby once said, you know, there's, you know, there's a place in Lodge for mirth and humor. Yeah, you, you should go, you should have fun, but also, but take your ritual work seriously. Like, you know, it's one thing to go in and, you know, you get needled, you needle, you know, you needle other brothers. It's a back and forth, give and take. But, uh, you know, take your ritual work seriously. Like, you can have fun and be serious, too. There's a time and a place for everything. Like, when I was master, I just, I just said, when I greet a new master, I say, just remember, I says, you know, you know, they're going to laugh with you and they're going to laugh at you. I mean, we all make mistakes. Some of us make more than others. You know, however, you know, it's just, it's a matter of just picking up and, and moving on. But, um, no, the ritual work is important, but also, you know, having, you know, having fun on the lodge, you know, um, like you, you got to remember the great Masonic myth. It's only one meeting a month, honey. Yeah, well, I've never, and I talk about this in actually 
tonight's episode. I've never, I've never understood why we would tell somebody that. Because if you, if you start, I know it's kind of said as a joke, but it became a joke because for a long time, people would tell that to candidates. And it's like, why would you ever set the expectations so low on us? If you tell a candidate it's only one time per month, he's going to, go in, he's going to show up once per month. Like you would tell him it's 20 times a month. And then if only shows up for 10, you've still got him for 10. Well, I think it's more of a, it's more of a running joke than anything else. And uh, I, I know some fellows, uh, their wives get ticked off quite a bit when they're away so much. Other ones aren't so bad. Then there's my wife. She says, usually, what do you mean there's no lodge? Can't you go find something to do? Can't you get out of the house? So I don't, I don't have that problem. I could be out twice a month. I could be out, uh, you know, I, I could be out, I could have, I could be uh, doing Beatles masonry, you know, eight nights a week. Um, yeah. I, 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 like I said, I, I don't have a problem. I could disappear for a week and my wife wouldn't miss me. Um, but uh, it all depends on your, on your family dynamics. Like, you know, you get a younger member in their 20s or their 30s or even their 40s. Some of them have, a lot of them have, you know, uh, kids that are preteens or teenagers and they, they've got to be looked after and ferried around. It's all about balance. You know, when I joined, you know, my, you know, my boys are in their teens and, uh, and it's just, you know, everything's just progressed the way it has. Uh, it is simply be, you know, by you know, looking after whatever needs to be looked after. It's the, yeah, this, this idea of, of Freemasonry as, as fun is something I've been thinking about because, well, I, so I guess it, it comes down to, to definitions, right? There's, um, uh, I'll give an example. So, I was watching an interview with uh, with an actor, and he was talking about a particularly challenging uh, movie set that he was on. Um, to the point where it was so challenging, it was to the point where he didn't want to be part of the movie anymore. And every morning he thought about quitting. You know, I'm going to quit. I don't like this. It's not enjoyable. Uh, but he stuck with it. Um, and he said, you know, the things that made it not enjoyable also made him, you know, a better performance. But then he said, you know, at the end of it all, he went to watch the movie in a theater and seeing the reactions of the audience around him and the people in the theater, um, he was happy he stuck with it. And he said, you know, he wasn't doing it for himself. He was doing it. It's not about him. It's about other people. Um, and I think that that's something that we have sometimes lost in Freemasonry, even in the way we advertise it necessarily or promote it. We always talk about it as being something that will be a benefit to the individual joining and they'll become better for it, which I believe is true. But I believe more in that, more than that, a well-administered, well-run and well-functioning lodge makes the world a better place. And even if on any given night, any particular Mason may not enjoy being in a lodge because he's tired, because he had a long day at work, because he wants to be at home, be asleep, 
him being there and contributing to the lodge will make it a better place yes. and will make the world a better place. So sometimes I think we emphasize the wrong thing. We emphasize personal enjoyment and that that's the goal of Freemasonry instead of emphasizing the way in which Freemasonry and a lodge makes the world a better place. Well, outside the lodge, not everybody knows that. But, you know, and again, uh, you could shout it from the mountaintops for a year and you'd come down and people would say, oh, what'd you say? You know, it's, it, you know, it's a matter of, you know, you know, doing it for, you know, for the lodge, your brethren and for yourself. You know, and you know, you get the message out as, as best you can. That's that's all I that's all I can say. I mean, you know, again, you get out, you you get back what you put in. Yeah, and I, there's not much, there's not much, there's not much else to it. I think that that message is definitely something on on a grand lodge level that could be emphasized, even because you are seeing that in other. What's interesting is is a lot of advertising now or promotion. Um, the emphasis, and I think this goes to people searching for meaning in their lives, and maybe the world does not always provide meaning the way it used to, is on the struggle and actually promoting that, that struggle. So with exercise, with games, with Peloton, whatever it is, the emphasis isn't on, is on you know, the enjoyment, but it's the enjoyment that comes from the hard work and the effort that goes into, that goes into it. Um, and I think, you know, one of the, the best things about Freemasonry, and this is something even that we need, I think, to message to our own members. Um, you know, one of the best feelings that comes from Freemasonry is the struggle that then leads to the success. So the having a really long piece of ritual to memorize and then actually memorizing it and presenting it in lodge and being proud of yourself for doing that or even being in a lodge not having necessarily anything to do but choosing to attend because somebody's getting their degree and you want to be there for them and then you know you sit through this your 1000th degree and you can do it off by heart but then at the end of it the candidate thanks people for being there for being a part of his night so sometimes it's not fun in the moment, but it's rewarding overall. Yeah, it's, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head, Cameron. I think you're absolutely right in, uh, you know, in, in that point. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's being there, being supportive of, of the lodge, your brothers. Um, you know, many times, like I get a, I, I got a phone call, Oh well, you know, if so and so is district deputy up in whatever district, uh, they're having us, they're having their homecoming tomorrow night. There's a carload of us going up. Come on with us, you know. And uh, you know, you you know, that's where a lot of it, uh, a lot of it is, is you know, is in the support, is in the visitation, and. You know, you go out for a good time, but it's also serious. So this is just me speaking, not Grand Lodge, not, I don't represent anybody but me. Um, this is always, or not always, but 
for the last few years, this has been my opinion. Um, and I'm just curious, as a Grand Lodge candidate, your thoughts on it. I think I can guess based on everybody else's thoughts on it. Um, everybody thinks I'm crazy but me. But um, other jurisdictions, uh, the Philippines, for example, do have attendance requirements. Um, in the Philippines, you have to attend three meetings per year. Otherwise, you are suspended. In um, South America, but I can't think now. I was told in South America they have attendance requirements as well. Um, well, so do the Lions uh, and the Rotary and uh, uh, the service clubs. So, know, and that's not a, like, I, I used to go to Rotary lunches as a guest uh, in Caledonia. And, uh, you know, there would be somebody there from Dunville saying, oh, well, you know, I, I was out of town on business on Tuesday. I missed the Rotary lunch, so I'll come here to make it up. And they, they have a little book that they get stamped that, you know, so they, they don't, they don't get uh, penalized because if they, if, if they miss a meeting, they get penalized, you know, and this is one of the reasons uh, that I joined Masonry is because it wasn't a service club. It was run a lot differently, but uh, attendance requirements. I don't know if that would go over very well. We've got, We've got a large segment of our membership that's, you know, that are, they're, you know, they're, you know, they're seniors. You know, I know a lot, you know, I, I know a lot in their, you know, early, mid, late eighties, early, mid nineties. And, you know, and if somebody, you know, if it's, if it's the middle of winter, it's a, let's just, let's just say it's an exceptionally cold winter and they, you know, it's too cold to go out tonight. I'm not going to lodge. And they don't go over three or four months to say, well, you didn't show up for the last four months, so we're going to suspend you. I, it's a great idea in theory, Cameron. Don't get me wrong, but I think if you put it into practice, you'd have uh, you'd have uh, a lot of riots to deal with, more so I, than uh, what we're having now with the new constitutional amendments they want to put through. Are there ways to? Um, you know, uh, uh, so for example, you set up, you know, parameters within the requirements. So for example, you know, that doesn't apply to anybody who say lives outside of a 200 kilometer radius, because we do have brothers who, you know, travel for work or whatever it is, they end up moving somewhere else but they choose to maintain their membership in their mother lodge. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, you have, certainly you have required, you have a, a um, exceptions around the idea of being, being sick. Um, you don't require it if somebody has been ill, but even then that, that encourages, you know, one of the most annoying things as a secretary, um, or even as a worship master, as a member, and one thing that used to drive me crazy is you don't hear from a brother for a while. You try to track him down, you can't. And then you find out that he was ill or in the hospital or quite sick. Um, but, you know, no one ever informed the lodge. I mean, 
because yeah. Freemasonry is, is so important to me, uh, even though I don't have a family, you know, my friends know, uh, well, I don't have a family own, but my friends know, my, my parents know, like if something ever happens to me, make sure the lodge is aware. There's yeah. a way to get the message to them. So maybe it's not about an intense requirement, but about encouraging brothers to maintain contact with the lodge. So if yeah. they are missing, we're not scrambling to find them and then finding out four or five months down the line that they were ill. We know yeah. right away so we can provide support if necessary. Well, and, and I've seen that uh, happen. You don't hear from somebody for, uh, for several months and finally somebody phones and the guy's wife goes, oh, geez, I forgot to phone you. My husband died three months ago. I've, I've seen that, like, you know, like, you know, people go in the hospital and the last thing you know, think of doing is, is phone on the lot, you know, somebody in the lodge. And I, and I know some lodges, they have phone trees set up. If somebody is, you know, if they haven't seen somebody for a couple of months, they'll give them a call and see how they are. Um, attendance requirements? No, that, I, I don't think that's the way. I think, um, I think the way to encourage attendance is if, you know, somebody misses a meeting, just phone up and say, hey, we missed you last night. Oh, well, my, you know, my daughter was very ill, you know, and, you know, I was home taking care of her. Oh, okay, glad everything is okay. So, well, that I think, I, I don't think, I don't think attendance requirements, I just think, you know, more, more due diligence is, is what's needed. Well, you agree with everybody else. I'm the only one, so there you go. But um, well, you're not you're you're not crazy. I like I said, it's a great well, idea stop. in it's a great idea in theory, but I think it, you'd have a you'd have a real blowback if you tried to put it into practice. If you knew me better, you know that I am in fact quite crazy. But um, my you don't know me very well, do you? My uh, my lodge members can attest to that. But um, the, the due diligence piece, let's take that away because I think we can both agree on that. You know, it's important for a lodge to have phone trees and to have committees, you know, sick and visitation set up to check on brothers. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. very and, important. And also on the other end, I would encourage any brothers watching this, you know, to do some due diligence on their part. Like, because you mentioned, and you're absolutely right, you know, if you're in an emergency and going to the hospital, you're not going to be thinking about your Masonic Lodge. So it's important to have a, a plan in place in advance. So um, somebody knows, you know, if there's an emergency and if somebody falls ill, there's somebody out there who knows to contact the lodge to let them know that this person's sick. Yeah, uh, I think that I think that's not a bad idea. That's good. That's good. And I certainly, um, you know, the 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 importance of you know, and I've done this having a section in, in your will for your Masonic regalia, so it doesn't end up in a, in a the trash bin or trash bin or whatever it is. It's just yeah. you know the due diligence on the individual's part too. Um, like I said, even for myself, I've got, uh, knock on wood, you know, uh, if I get hit by a bus plan, especially because I'm the secretary, to make sure that there's, you know, that the lodge will be aware if something happens and I'm incapacitated or, yeah. or sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So finishing uh, up, I just want to remind everybody again, uh, you know, I am going to be having as many candidates as I can and talking to them all about their candidacies, their candidacies, Grand Lodge, um, why they are, you know, why they have stepped forward or upon nomination, why they have decided to stand for the position. Um, so worship of Brother Galling, just one more time to any Masons in Ontario who are watching this, or for that matter, any Masons, we have a lot of Masons from the States and throughout the world who watch this. Um, I guess the importance of standing for these positions in whatever Grand Lodge you're part of, of being you know, active in Freemasonry, just why is that so important to you? And you know, would you encourage other Masons to, to be active, to stand for positions if nominated and to, I guess, to vote, to take part in Grand Lodge coming up in July? Voting, you know, whether it be for, you know, a fraternal organization, um, or in a general election, you know, if you can, it's your civic duty. And that's what's important. And it's important that people stand for these positions because without people volunteering their time, where would these organizations be? I'll give it as, a, as an example. Um, I refereed hockey uh, overlap with for 30 years, overlap with 12 for, with 12 years of ball, 36 years, you know, and there'd always be somebody griping at me about something. And I would turn to them and say, I says, I says, do you ever think, how would your children play a game such as this? I says, without idiots like me standing behind the plate or standing by the hockey net, and baseballs or hockey pucks are whizzing by you at 100 miles an hour. I says, if it wasn't for me, your kids couldn't play in organized sports. You know, remember that. You know, we're the, you know, there's got to be people there to volunteer to hold the, you know, to hold these organizations up to make them work, whether it be the Masons, the Lions, the Kiwanis, the Rotary, the Kinsmen. If you didn't have volunteers, everything will collapse in of itself. And, you know, masonry is, 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 is no different. Um, like, you know, I'm running because, well, one, I want to put something back. And I want to, and I've been doing that with the lodge for a number of years and, I'm, and I want to take it to the next level. And another reason I'm running is for the legacy of my father. Uh, nearly 50 years ago, uh, my father was on track to be uh, district deputy in Brant District for in 1973. But unfortunately, he fell ill and uh, developed cancer and uh, died before he was district deputy. And my mother always said she knew he had to die. It's just too bad that everything couldn't have waited for a year and a half or two years so he could have got his year in. So those are the two reasons I'm running, you know, one to put back and, you know, two for my father's legacy. And, uh, and, and another reason that's come to mind, and I'd, had, and I'd forgotten this until a few days ago, 
the lodge that I attend, Hillcrest 594, Hamilton District B, this is their 100th anniversary. So it would be kind of nice uh, for, Hill, for a Hillcrest member to be Grand Senior Warden to hold a position in Grand Lodge for our 100th anniversary. So those are my reasons. A little convoluted, but those are my reasons. Those are very good reasons. Uh, sound like good reasons to me. So with that, if uh, anybody watching, check out the description to this video where I have provided uh, Brother Gowling's information from Grand Lodge, also some information about the voting process for any Ontario Masons. Um, check back tomorrow for another interview with another 2021 candidate. Uh, and Worshipful Sir, I very much appreciate you taking the time to join me today. And well, I thank you very much for providing the platform. I mean, this takes a lot of organization and such on your part, Cameron. You're you're to be congratulated, you know, not just for the work you do for the win, you know, for your lodge and the Windsor Temple, but for the craft in general. I would I would nominate you for a Mercer Wilson Medal, but I think you've gone a little too far for that. I, I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. Yeah, I have been in the East, um, but that is very knowing the. Uh, having had the chance to meet a few uh, Mercer uh, Wilson award winners, um, that is high praise indeed, because the, the ones I met have been excellent uh, Masons and men. So that is very kind of you to say. Thank you very much.